Kids, take off to your classrooms. Go have fun. I guess I should grab my water. <clears throat> Hallelujah. How's everybody doing this morning? All good? Good on this beautiful fall morning. That sun looks beautiful out there. I can't wait to enjoy some of that this afternoon. Well, Father, right now we thank you for your word. We honor it, Lord. We honor your word because, Jesus, you are the word. It says the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so, Jesus, we thank you. We're going to read you today. We're going to read about you. We thank you that it is words of life. It's words of health even to our flesh is what your word says. And so, Lord, we just honor the word today. We thank you that even as we open the word, Holy Spirit, you're speaking to our hearts. You're showing us how it gets applied. You're bringing revelation knowledge to us for what we need in our lives at this moment. We thank you, Lord, that you can take something that was written down for us so long ago and show us right now in this moment the victory that we stand in. Hallelujah. Oh, we just thank you that there is such hope in you, Jesus. There is such hope in you, Jesus, that we can have confident expectations of your goodness in our lives today. And so we just say, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen and amen. Well, let's jump right back into things today. We are on our series on faith. And this is such an important, it's not even a topic, it's just how you live. It says, the Bible says the just live by faith. And so if we don't have a full understanding of what that actually means, we're going to miss out on things here in this life. The just live by it. Faith is not just simply, oh, I believe in a God or I believe in the God. No, that's just a simple aspect of faith. Faith is saying, God, I believe that what you said you did, you did. I believe that what you said I am, I am. That I believe that what you said I have, I have. And what you said I can do, I can do. And so without faith, it's impossible to please God. But it says that he that comes to him must first believe that he is. That's just the simplest part. And it says, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I love that, that it's, he's a rewarder. It's not that he's the punisher. He's not the judgmental one. He's not the fickle, moody one. We were talking about the moody blues this morning in prayer. No, he, he's not the moody one. You don't need to wonder what side of the bed God woke up on. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has no shadow of turning. So if he was good before, guess what? He's good now because he didn't change. If he was a healer before, he's a healer now. If he was a provider before, he's a provider now, because he didn't change. And so faith doesn't just say, oh, there's a God. It says, no, I have what he says I have. It aligns its words, and it aligns its actions with what he said, whether it was something the Holy Spirit spoke to your heart, whether it was something that the Word of God has told you, you say, no, no, that, that's exactly how I am. It doesn't matter how much the world says it's not that way. I am. You know, we read two weeks ago that Paul said, beware lest you be witched by those people who speak men's philosophy and the basic principles of man. 
And he said right before that, instead, be rooted and grounded in faith. So there will be people that will speak things that are true for man. You're not just a man, Dylan. You're not just a man. You're a God man. You are a son. You are sons and daughters of God. And so that may be true for man, but he said, I am a king and a priest unto God. I'm not just no normal, no ordinary man. And by faith, I take hold of those things that the grace of God has provided for me. So the just live by faith. We, don't, we walk by faith and not by sight. And so if we don't understand faith, we won't understand God life. And I'd rather walk in God life. And so when we're in this, in this section of the series that we're doing, we're looking at the different things that the Bible has said that you can receive by faith. And so we started three weeks ago talking about faith in the new covenant. Come on, turn. There we go. Faith in the new covenant. We can place faith in what God said he's done on our behalf. And so last week we were talking about what is covenant. Because a lot of the times it gets brought down to just basically, oh, this is the contract God has between you. No, no, no. It's so much more than just a contract. The first definition is a disposition. And what disposition means, because that's a big mouthful of a word, what disposition means, it says, what one object means in relation to another. And so the covenant shows you where you stand in relation to Jesus. Do you know where you stand? You stand in Christ Jesus. It says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So where do you stand in relation to Jesus? You stand in him. And a lot of times the world likes to separate and look at you. Stop looking at you. And start looking at him because you look better in him than you do out of him. Where else do you sit in relation to him? Well, it says that God has raised Jesus up and had him to sit down at the right hand of the Father. Jesus sits right beside God. And it says he's far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but he says also in that which is to come. So there's never a season of your existence, whether it be here on earth or whether it be in eternity and beyond, that you are not seated far above it all. Because God has raised you up and made you to sit together with Jesus. And so covenant is talking about that relationship between you and him. And it's not subject to negotiation. And so Paul told the Corinthians, he said that when we remember the communion table, this is the cup of the new covenant. When, when we take communion, we're remembering the new covenant that was ratified in his blood. Which tells us it wasn't ratified by our effort. Wasn't ratified by our ability. It was ratified by his blood that he willingly shed for us. And so the new covenant is not about what we can do for God, but what God has already done for us through Christ Jesus. You, that needs to be so ingrained into our understanding because if it comes back to, well, I haven't done good enough, I haven't done it all, it was so good that we sung What Kind of Father this morning because it doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, he's still right there saying, come on, 
That's why they have the, pro the story of the prodigal son. So you can see that the son didn't really change anything. He was coming back to try and manipulate the father. And the father still said, no, 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 no. Come on in. Kill the fatted calf. Bring the robe. Get the ring. God looks past everything you've done or ever will do and looks to Jesus and his blood that has wash, washed you white as snow. He's placed your sins as far as the east is from the west. So you'll never get them. And so the new covenant is not about what we can do for God, but what God has already done for us through Christ Jesus. Amen? And so what we know about the new covenant, that in which we stand, is that the writer of Hebrews told us that Jesus, now he, the he is Jesus, has obtained a more excellent ministry. What, what is the more excellent ministry? He did a work on earth. And we look at the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, and oh my goodness, what a work he did. But the writer of Hebrews tells us he now sits in a more excellent ministry than that. Come on. Whew. Wrap your mind around that. If what the, Jesus did at the cross, the burial, the resurrection was amazing, what he's doing now is even more better. It says that he is a mediator of a better covenant that was established on better promises. Amen? So whatever covenants have come before, what you stand in is better. The miracles you see of the Old Testament, the time that you stand in, is better. The promises made to them were good. The promises made to you are better. Come on. That's a concept that needs to be rooted down in our hearts. It's better. Or as Pastor Robin likes to say, it just keeps getting gooder and gooder. may not be gra grammatically correct, but it's true. <laughs> and so the covenant that we stand in is a better covenant, which leads us to the question of, okay, that means that there was different covenants along the way. There's different seasons and different times in which God dealt with humanity in different ways. And right off the bat, before we get back into this day, I want to remind you, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus said that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And the Father has no shadow of turning or shadow of change. It says the Son of Man does not lie, and nor does he have to repent because he never changes his mind. And so when we see the different covenants or the different segments of time, it's not because God changed. It's because humanity did. And if you don't understand the different dispensations is the term, which just means segments of time, if you will ask stupid questions. Don't say that, Pastor Jordan. There's no stupid questions. Actually, there's a lot of stupid questions that if we would just look into certain things, we'd be like, oh, yeah, that's why that's not true. There's a, there's a question that a lot of people ask, and they, they, they ask it trying to corny you, saying, well, if God is so good, then how can a good God, why do good things happen to bad people, and why do bad things happen to good people? And if God is so loving, why is there war, and why do, you know, you, you know all the questions, you've probably heard them, and you want to look at them as because, it's not because of God, it's because of you. Yeah. <laughs> it's not as smart a question as they think. Because there's things that have happened that they haven't bothered to learn. And so the first dispensation of time, we told you, I did this little graph for you, and it's a little small now that I'm seeing it up there. Ugh. Do we need to get our glasses out? I know Garnet does. No, Mimi, you got your glasses with you? 
The first dispensation of time that we see in the Bible is the garden dispensation where God created mankind in his image and his likeness and he gave him dominion and authority over all the works of his hands. And so God created mankind as he wanted him to be. And he also gave them the ability to choose. And they chose poorly. And because of that poor choice, there's been ramifications that the earth has been dealing with since. And with the ending of the garden dispensation at the fall, we have what is called the curse of the fall, where God said to the serpent, hey, guess what? you got to struggle on your belly now. He says to, says to woman, hey, there's going to be pain in childbirth now. Women, you can thank Eve. You know, after you say, hey, Jesus, it's great to meet you face to face. i got to go find Eve, and we're going to have a talk. Man, next time you're out working in the field and cutting some wood down and, you know, getting things ready for the next season coming, you can thank Adam because of the curse of the fall. We now have weeds and thorns and thistles, and man has to work by the sweat of his brow, not because God's a meanie, but Adam and Eve chose death. God said, in the day you eat, you will surely die. And I heard a theologian say, that Genesis 3 is the indi first indication that God actually can lie. And I'm like, you, you need to go back and think about that. You're thinking he meant physical death. Romans tells us that it was spiritual death. And that death passed from Adam to every man until the second Adam, whose name is Jesus, who restored life. And so there's been ramifications from the garden that have been, been percolating down through the timeline ever since. And the second, second segment of time that ended at the, started at the fall is the age of conscience or human government in which man does what he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. And just to let you know, in the world, that is still continuing. And that's why I made my own chart, because a lot of people ended at the Abrahamic government. No, for the world, that has continued. And they did whatever they wanted, and it kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse until God got to Noah's time, and he's like, we got to stop this. Because it said in Noah's time, the thoughts of their heart was evil continually. But during that time, and still, God works with individuals whose hearts are for him. The fall didn't change God's desire for fellowship with humanity. He comes down and he meets Enoch, and Enoch and him just keep walking together every day. And finally God just says to Enoch, why don't you just come home with me? Let's do this all the time. Let's not have an end to this anymore. And it says that Enoch walked with God, and then he wasn't. He was all of a sudden gone. We see him just continue down. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. It didn't stop, the fall didn't stop God from talking with Noah. And so during this season, God would work with individuals whose hearts are for him until we get to the Abraham period where God calls Abram. And he says this to him. Now the Lord said to Abram, this is Genesis chapter 12, get out from your country and from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you. 
and I will make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And in you, Abraham, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. And what we see happen with the Abrahamic covenant is this. God goes from dealing with individuals to the individual Abraham, and he spreads it to his family. The circle is getting larger. Because in the garden, God dealt with humanity. Then it got cut to individuals. And under Abraham, it now begins to spread to family. Why? Because God's planting a seed that will increase. Didn't we talk about earlier early in this year, back in March and April, we were talking about seed time and harvest, that everything God does, he does with seed. It says that he sent Jesus to be the seed who would die, and then it would spread to all humanity. So everything God does, he does with seed. And that's what he's doing with the Abrahamic covenant. He's causing that seed to spread because God's not content just to dealing with one man. He wants to redeem humanity. And so that's where we left off here in the, in the Abrahamic covenant. And it's interesting, the Lord said, I will bless you. I have blessed you, and I will make you great, and you will be a great nation. That word blessed, we told you, means we've empowered you to prosper. We've empowered you to increase. And so God speaks that over Abram at the time. He gets called Abraham later. He speaks that over Abram, and immediately Abram goes and screws up. He goes down, and, he, and he, he's get coming into a new land. And he says to his wife, he says, um, you're really good looking. Come on, this is a, I, I, think, I always laugh when I read this story. He's like, you're really good looking, and I'm afraid they're going to see you and kill me <laughs> and take you. And so he says, let's not tell them you're my wife. Let's tell them you're my sister. And God was like, she's not your sister, Abram. She's not your sister. And so he gets himself into a pickle. And God delivers him out of it anyways. And even in spite of him messing up, the next time we see Abram, this is what God had to say about him. Abram was very rich in livestock and in silver and in gold. So in spite of his missteps, the blessing of God was still working. I need you to understand that because so many times we go, I've screwed up, I've done it wrong, surely God can't bless me. Get a better perspective of God. That's not what the Bible says. He said, before Abram had ever done anything good, before he'd even left his family, God blessed him. The blessing always comes first. Us changing our ways and our actions comes secondary. And so the religion will teach you, do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. No. God says, I declare you righteous. I put you in right standing with me. And then let that heart change, change everything else. Amen? And so the blessing was not stopped by Abram's missteps.
And we jump to Genesis 15, just for the sake of time. I, I don't want to get caught in the middle again. You know, sometimes being at the first is good or at the end of something is good. But in the middle, it's like you got to go back and go forward. In Genesis chapter 15, we see this. It says, and after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, don't be afraid, Abram. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. And so here's another proclamation of blessing over Abram. And what does he say? I'm your shield. What is he saying to him? I'm your protection. Abram, no matter what comes, I'm going to be your protection. And he says, I'm your exceeding great reward. Your exceeding great reward. He's not just great reward, not even just reward. God is exceeding great, exceedingly great, meaning when you think about how good God is, he's better than that. So he says, I'm your shield, and I'm your exceeding great reward. And verse 5 says, and he brought him outside and said, look now towards heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. We're talking about faith here, right? He said, look up, Abram. How many stars can you count? And the answer was he couldn't count them. And he says, that's how many descendants are going to come from you. And he spoke this to Abraham when he had no kids. Not a single one. Top of that, he's an old man not having anymore at that age. It's just not, not natural to mankind, right? What did we say? Paul told us not to be swayed by the basic principles of man, but to be rooted and grounded in faith. And so God makes this seemingly impossible proclamation to Abraham, you're going to have this many kids, there's going to be this many descendants come from you, and he doesn't have a single one. And the next verse says, and he believed God, and it was accounted for him righteousness. Believed is the verb of faith. He put action to it. You can fill in the blanks of what action was needed. He believed the Lord before there was a single kid. He believed that it was so before it was so. We have to talk like this with faith because faith, the promises of the new covenant, are always past tense when you're still feeling like they're in your future. You have to understand God does not exist within time like you do. Time is your problem, not his. Ezekiel describes him as a wheel within a wheel. Him being the center, and if you follow the spokes out, he touches all points of time at the same time. You know, Jesus may have been crucified 2,000 years ago on our timeline, but the Bible said he was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And so God is not bothered by your time, and he can call things done that have not yet been done for you, and your job is by faith, you call them done. It's the Bible says that faith calls those things which be not 
as though they were, because they may be not in your perception, in your perspective, but they are in God. And so faith, the promises of the new covenant, are all past tense, because God's done all the work he's going to do. And by faith, you reach into that abundance of grace, and you receive them unto yourself. And rather than saying, oh, I'm going to be healed, you say, no, I am healed. Oh, I'm going to be blessed. No, I am blessed. I am prosperous. I am everything the word of God says that I am. I receive it by faith. And I go ahead and I walk with the swagger like I have. I go ahead and I celebrate that it's done even before it's been done in the natural because faith goes ahead and receives the things that God says are done. Amen? And so on that same day, the Lord made covenant with Abraham. And the thing is that we got to know about the covenant here that he cuts with Abraham is he says, Abraham, go get, go get all the, the animals that we need for a regular blood covenant. And when it would have come time for them to make the covenant between each other, God said, Abraham, go to sleep. And God made the covenant himself because that meant that Abraham couldn't mess it out. And God said, because I could swear no, by no one greater, I swore by myself. Saying he doesn't change his mind, which means when he put the covenant in place with Abraham, his intention was that it would never end. Well, let's fast forward now to some New Testament scriptures then. We should see our new covenant that we stand in linking back to this. Because here it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 7, Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. Are you people of faith? Then you're the offspring of Abraham. And it says, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, he preached the gospel, or the good news, to Abraham beforehand. Think about that. The covenant that you stand in and in the blessing that you now stand in, he goes and says, guys, this is old news. I already told Abraham way back then how it's going to be and what he could walk in. Even before Jesus came, he said, Abraham, here's the good news. By faith you received. And he said to Abraham, in you all of the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So then, those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Come on, let's read that again. So then, those who are of faith are. That is a present tense reality. You are. I'm not going to be blessed. I am blessed with believing Abraham. I have that same proclamation of blessing that God spoke over Abram is applicable to me. So when God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you great and I'm going to bless you. And those who bless you, they'll be blessed too. Come on. And that is the same thing that is spoken over you because you stand in the same covenant by faith. I love that he didn't say they might be blessed if they do it right. No, he said those who are of faith are blessed. And so if you understand what the covenant and the blessing did to Abraham, why do you expect there be to be something different for you? If the blessing 
did that to Abraham, what can it do for you? So verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. It's important to note he said he's redeemed us from the curse of the law, and we'll get to the law in a moment. He's redeemed us from the curse of the law, but this world has not yet been redeemed from the curse of the fall. And that's why there's a continuance of those stupid things that keep happening because humanity is the way that humanity is. And we, if we look what he said in the time of Noah, that the thoughts of their hearts were evil continually, the Bible tells us that in the end, in the book of Revelation, that as in the days of Noah, so shall it be then. There's that progression that's continuing. But you've been redeemed from the curse of the law. Having Jesus has become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Amen? So the blessing has come upon you because Jesus took away the curse so that it could flow unto you. Verse 15 is really interesting, though. He says this, Brethren, I speak now in the manner of men. So Paul's saying, okay, we've been talking about spiritual things. Let's bring this down to a very natural example. I'm going to speak to you as you would with another person. He says, though it's only a man's covenant, so if Christopher and I were to, commit, to cut covenant between each other, he says that though it's only a man's covenant, that if it's confirmed, no one annuls it or adds to it. And so he's telling them, in your natural covenants, they don't change. So if natural covenants don't change, why do we think God covenants would? And he says, now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. And he does not say, and to your seeds as of many, but as of one. And to your seed who is Christ. And so the reason why it's not about your actions and what you've done and what you haven't done is because it's based off of Jesus' actions and what he's done. And that's why I told you, if you need a copy of this book in him, there's over 153 verses just talking about who you are in Christ Jesus because you look better in him than you do out. And the seed, that promise was to the seed Jesus. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. And so verse 17 says, and so I say this, the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. We've gone this route in here for a reason. Many Christians are law-minded. And you need to know the law didn't change the covenant. Stop thinking like the law. The law came after, and it says it can't change. It can't annul the covenant that was confirmed by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it's no longer of promise. But God 
gave it to Abraham by promise. So that brings us to our next segment of time, our next dispensation, and that is the law, the law of Moses. The reason why you need, what, the first thing you need to know about the law is it's God's covenant between the nation of Israel and himself. I have a question for you. Are you Jewish? And it's fine if you are. The covenant that we're talking about here is not to you Gentiles. To me, that's not who the law was for. It's the covenant between God and the nation of Israel. And so we see the progression through the dispensations. We have the garden, which God dealt with humanity, then into the season where he was individuals. Through the uh, covenant of Abraham, it expanded to family. And under the law of Moses, it goes to the nation of Israel. It's increasing who he can affect and who can, he can bless each time. Seed multiplies. And it starts in Exodus chapter 19 and verse 3. It says, And God, when, uh, Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. And so I love how the conversation started. He's like, Guys, did you see what I did to get you out of Egypt? There was those ten plagues, and, th and then we had the Red Sea parting, and then the whole Egyptian army got wiped out by the sea. Oh, and then remember you were thirsty, and I, I split open a rock, and water gushed out. Remember when you were hungry, and food fell from the sky, and then you said, well, I don't like that food, so I caused a flock of quail to crash into your camp. Do you remember those miracles, guys? If you thought that was good, I've got better for you. You saw what I did to the Egyptians, and how I brought you to myself, and he says, now... This is how their covenant is different. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. The new covenant is not based upon what you have done, but what Jesus has done for you. The old covenant is based upon your ability to do it. It says, if you obey and if you keep, then. You shall be my special treasure to me above all the people in all the earth. And it says, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And these are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So Moses came and he called for the elders of the people and he laid before them all these words. You want to know what those words are? They were the Ten Commandments. Then they were all of these other, you got to do, you got to do, you got to do. Like 600, over 600 different laws that they would have to keep in order to stand in right standing with God. And so he lays that before the people. And in verse 8 it says, And then all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. Spoiler alert, they didn't even make it through the month. Moses went back up to God. It says Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord. Moses goes back up the mountain to talk to God. They didn't even make it until he got back down the mountain. And they said, Moses is dead. He died up on there on the mountain. Surely he said something bad to God and God killed him. We need a new God. 
bring us your gold. And Aaron's like, uh, okay, okay, guys. Yeah, bring it here. Let's make a cow out of it. Worship the cow. They didn't even make it a month before they went back on their word. And you could say, if why would God do something that is dependent upon them? He had a reason. You want to know what the reason is? Galatians 3.19, it says, What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and was appointed through the angels by the hand of a mediator. He says, what purpose does the law show? It showed them they can't do it. And that's something that they had struggled with and humanity still struggles with. I'm going to work myself to God. Remember we read a few weeks ago that Paul said that I wish I could, uh, could be cursed so that the children of Israel could be saved. He says, but they've gone about trying to establish their own righteousness rather than accepting the righteousness of God, which is by faith. And so with the age of conscience and the age of human government, everything was going downhill and the children of Israel were going down with them. And the thing is, if everyone's going down together, you all have the same perspective. You all have the same mentalities. But Tov, come here. Right here. If Toph is the Israelites, and I am the rest of humanity, and we're going down together, go down. But Jessica, you come. Stand up here. Jessica is the law. She doesn't move. She's stable. It doesn't change. God spoke, and he meant it. Now we're going down together. It's like, oh wait, why are we getting lower and it's staying the same? The law, thank you guys, the law became that ruler or that checkpoint to show the children of Israel that, hey, you're not doing good and you can't do it on your own. This is the standard and as the world lowers their standard, you keep lowering your standard with them. Come on, the body of Christ is doing that today. They're measuring themselves against the stupidity of the world and as it keeps going down, no, 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 I don't measure myself off the world. I measure myself off of Christ and what Christ has done for me. And so the children of Israel, they were going down and God said, Hey guys, up here, look higher, set your heights higher. And so the law gave them a standard and it was put in because they had problems, just like everybody else, and God wanted to solve the problem. He says, is the law then against the promises of God? No, certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, Truly righteousness would have come by the law. After the garden, they ate and they died. And God said, there is no standard of living that can bring back that life. But you know what could bring back that life? The sacrifice of Jesus laying down his life. And Jesus said, I have come that you might have life. 
and life more abundantly. And so the law was given, but it couldn't give life. And it says, the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise, of, uh, that promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Say, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. So you need to understand, you're not under the law. Jesus said, I've not come to destroy the law. I've come to fulfill it. You are in Christ Jesus. The law has been fulfilled. The law was between Israel and him. It's not a factor for you. So it shouldn't be a factor in your thinking any longer. And so when I said we ask dumb questions, it's because we're not thinking through the right covenant in the right time frame. Because as Hebrews already said, he is a mediator of a better covenant on better promises. So let the old one pass away. And so let's think about this, though. We told you that the blessing of Abraham sits upon you by faith. There were also promises of the law that were really good. And if you have a better covenant with better promises, what were the promises of the law? Because if yours is better, what was good? Because if that was good and yours is better, you should probably at least know where to start from, right? You want to know? Or should we end here? That was rhetorical. We're going on anyways. <coughs> Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 1 says, Now it shall come to pass... If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God and observe carefully all of his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above the nations of the earth. So this is that if that no longer applies to you. Your if is if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Their if was, did you do it all? Check, 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 check. And they kept saying, yes, 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 yes. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. <laughs> says, all these blessings shall come upon you. They shall overtake you because you've obeyed the voice of the Lord your God. And let's just change this for you. All these blessings have come upon you and have overtaken you. Because Paul said you are blessed with every blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. You are blessed with all the blessings. And so here is the blessing that was for them that you've been blessed with because they all got given to you. It said blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. So you are empowered to prosper while you reside in the town of Smith Falls. But guess what? If you don't live here in town, you're blessed out in the country too. When you step outside those city limits, the blessing doesn't go, oh, 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 I'm not allowed there. No, it goes with you. You are empowered to prosper and increase whether you be in the city or out of the city. Wherever you are, the blessing is there. It says, blessed shall be the fruit of your body. Those are your kids. If you've got wayward kids, you just go ahead and you speak speak over them. My fruit of my body is blessed. I speak that blessing over them. They are empowered to prosper. They are empowered to increase. And they are empowered to have the love of God flow into their lives right now in the name of Jesus. 
He said, the produce of your ground will be blessed. The increase of your herds will be blessed. The increase of your cattle and all the offsprings of your flocks. Let's bring that into modern language. That was their businesses. They were agrarian farmers. They, they were, that did that for a living. What do you do? It's blessed. Stop talking bad about your boss. Stop talking bad about your employment place. Go ahead and start speaking the blessing that has been commanded over you. It says, blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and when you go out. And the Lord will cause your enemies who rise up against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come against you one way and they'll flee before you seven ways. What are you facing? If there's someone causing you problems, go ahead and declare the blessing of the Lord. They will not succeed. They're going to run. What do you align your voice with? The Lord will command the blessing on your storehouses and all you set your hand to do. Come on. Your storehouses? That's where you keep your stuff. Let's put that in modern language. The blessing is on your bank accounts. And you notice he said storehouses. I saw that a bunch of years ago, and I went and started another bank account. <laughs> why, if he said he's going to bless two storehouse, more than one st storehouse, why don't you just expect? Come on. And all that you set your hand to do. When you set out to do something, even it's as simple as chopping wood. Be blessed in what you do. You, he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God has given you. And the Lord will establish you as a holy people unto himself. Guess what? Jesus already did that when he said, Hey, you, be holy as I am holy. Holy isn't a standard of action. It's, the word holy means to separate unto oneself. The Lord has called you to himself. You are holy. And he says, then all the people of the earth will see you and that you're called by the name of the Lord and they'll be afraid of you. Come on, when the world looks at you, they should be like, I don't want to mess with those Christians. Every time I go against them, I lose. That's such an important word for the season we're living in. So many Christians are afraid of the world right now don't like my government. I don't like what they're doing. No, it needs to be the other way around. They should be afraid of you. If those Christians stand up, we're screwed. Come on. It says, the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, the increase of your livestock, and the produce of your ground, and in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open his good treasure, the heavens, to give you rain in your land in its season, and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. He will make you above and not beneath. And so these are just the blessings of the law, which doesn't apply to you, but the blessings that you have are better. It's a better covenant with better promises, so we better expand our capacity, and usually I would say our capacity to receive, but first you've got to expand your capacity to believe. Because we read these things and people go, oh, wouldn't that be nice? No, you say, yes, Lord, it is. You said it, 
I believe it. If you called me that, I call myself that. You said I'm blessed, I say I'm blessed. Come on, I got a friend who when he got saved, he learned this really quickly, and he started calling himself Spiros the Blessed. He didn't call himself Spiros Vulgaris anymore. He changed it, I am Spiros the Blessed. Whenever I talk to people, yeah, this is Spiros the Blessed. Why? I'm going ahead and I'm aligning my voice with the blessing and the promise of the Lord. My faith is locked around it. Come on, I talked to a business owner a number of years ago, and he was struggling, and he kept talking poorly about his customers and poorly about his business and how everything kept messing up. And I said, you know what? You need to change the, what you call your business. And he thought, he thought I was saying change the name of his business. No, 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 no. Whew. Change what you call it. My business is blessed. Customers seek me out. They bang down my door to do business with me. When we go out, we do things with honor, and we are blessed because of it. Come on. You change what you call yourself. Stop saying that I hate my job. No, I'm blessed here where I stand, and when I go to my next job, I'll be blessed there as well, but I won't speak ill of what something the Lord is using right now to prosper me. we got to watch those words. Why? Because what does faith sound like? It doesn't sound like Paul said, it doesn't, I'm going to go up to heaven and bring God down. It doesn't sound like I'm going to go down into the grave and bring God up. What does it sound like? It sounds like the word is near you, the word is in your heart, the word is on your mouth, and it is the word of faith which we preach. Come on, that's Romans chapter 10. We either believe the word or we don't. The Bible says, whose report will you believe? Faith says, the covenant I stand in is good. The covenant I stand in is a covenant of blessing. So I'll call it that too. Amen? Hallelujah. So, we're talking about faith in the new covenant. If you don't know the covenant you stand in, you won't step out and believe and say, oh, that's how it is for me. So, we just spent three weeks on it. Don't settle for religion. Don't settle for the, the, the law. Settle only for what God says is yours in the new covenant. But it doesn't, I didn't ask what it looked like. But I don't feel, I didn't ask what you feel like. We don't walk by sight or our senses. We walk by faith. Come on, we're raising up bold Christians in this hour. Who said, if the Lord said I'm healed, I'm healed. But I don't feel like I can walk. Then go ahead and take a run. Let the Lord get hold with you. Well, I don't feel like I'm blessed. Go ahead and start dressing for the job. Come on. Just because you may be feeling a little depressed, I know when I'm down, I put my sweats on. You know what's a good step to do? Put something nice on. Do your hair. Brush your teeth. Open the curtains. Steps come first. Feelings follow later. Hallelujah. That's a word for today. Feelings follow later. You don't have to feel it. 
but it's true. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes, oh Jesus. Yes. Because it's a new season. It's a new day, fresh anointing is flowing my way. Oh, it's a season of power and prosperity. Lord, it's a new season, yes, and it's coming for me. Yes, it's a new season, and it's a new day, fresh anointing, Lord, is flowing my way, oh, it's a season of power and prosperity, yes, it's a new season, Coming to me. Yes, hallelujah. You can choose to live the same day after day, or you can say, no, 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 no. Today, things change. I'm doing it different. I'm going a different way. I'm choosing a different harvest. I'm believing in a new covenant. Amen. Hallelujah. Pastor Robin. Well, oh dear, oh machakai, baba sumo chiumoko sisi mamakai, mori brondi kasisi mashi, sila nazgo yotorati kabrondo, mochi anasuri kiguchi, mansu nuyututu sisi kaba. Yes, it is. And so it is. And so will it be with you. Will you agree with me in this season? This season that I have called blessed. Will it be so with you? Will you say, ask me, I am blessed? In this season, have expectation of good things coming your way. Watch and be aware of what my hand is doing and what I have prepared. For this season is a place where the reapers are overtaking the sowers. This is a time for you to redeem and to draw into your life that which you have sown many years past. That which you have asked me for is still in place for your good. And so the way to receive it is to agree with me, to say I am blessed, and that restoring you will see. You will see a provision in this hour that I have sowed up for you, a provision of my grace, a provision of my glory for you to walk in. Amen. Glory. Yeah. 
Well, it's seed time and harvest time because it's one and the same, especially in our day. Uh, if you're ready to sow a seed, you can do it online or you can do it with an envelope that's in the seat in front of you. And there's a basket at the back. Yes. So we do everything by faith, so we're going to release our faith by saying this together. And it's what you're going to sow. This is my seed. I sow it in the kingdom of God. Seed, do what you do best, grow. I sow you to spread the gospel. I sow you to strengthen believers. I sow you to go where I cannot. I sow you to grow, multiply, and return in great supply. Harvest, I receive you. Lack, I resist you. Supply is sufficient. I walk in abundance of grace. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, 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 amen. Hallelujah. Word care team, please come on up. If you want prayer or ministry, our team is up at the front here.